is the understanding that all of our lives are connected together as the people of God that runs contrary to our beliefs about our individualism. We are individual members, but we're part of something bigger. And so fellowship is actually explained through the fact that people cared so much about one another that they would sacrificially sell things that they had to provide for each other. You may have heard about the body of Christ, many individual members making up the whole unit of the church. Each person brings something different but equally helpful to the table. God has given you specific abilities and blessed you with your unique personality, and He intends for you to use it to support your brothers and sisters in Christ. Pastor Daniel will challenge you today to take what makes you who you are and bless others. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Acts chapter 2 with part 2 of his message, Be Driven Deep. If you want to grow, if you want to grow deeper in your walk with Jesus, I'm going to show you how to do it today. And how we do it with the responsibilities that we have with the knobs on our side of the wall. If you do these things I'm going to share with you today, I guarantee you, you will deepen your walk with Jesus. But what's also interesting is that these very things that we're going to talk about is also the philosophy of ministry that we have at Crossroads and why we do the things that we do, not only from like a a whole church level, but also to each individual ministry level. So in order to get at this, I want you to open up in your Bibles to the book of Acts Chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, we're going to be looking at verses 42 to 47. So Acts 2, 42 to 47. So the book of Acts is really easy to find. It's the fifth book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then what we call the book of Acts. Really, it's commonly called the Acts of the Apostles, but really it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles. That's probably the best way to think about it. Now, Acts chapter 2 The end of it, it shows what happens when the Spirit of God gets poured out on the early church. And the beginning of Acts chapter 2 is what we call the day of Pentecost, which is where Jesus has already died and been resurrected from the grave. And he told his disciples after he was resurrected, before his ascension, I want you to go and I want you to wait in Jerusalem until you are empowered by the Holy Spirit. And then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem where they were living in Judea, the greater area, and then Samaria, the greater area, and to the ends of the earth. And sure enough, in Acts chapter 2, we see that happening. And then the very end of Acts chapter 2 talks about what the church looks like when it's freshly filled with the Holy Spirit. Like, right as the Spirit of God empowers the church, we get this explanation of how they were. And to me, this is a great example of what church is meant to be. And not church the building, but church the people. And when we read this, you're going to see that this explanation of a Spirit-filled church oftentimes does not look anything like the churches that we see today, and unfortunately not like us here at Crossroads either. But we see that and we say, if every one of us is in process, if every day is a day for us to grow, then we look at these things and we say, this is what I'm aiming for. This is what I'm driving to. So look what it says, Acts chapter 2, picking up in verse 42, it says this, 
And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Now, what I want to do is I want to give you like the 30,000 foot view of these verses, and then we're going to be kind of breaking them down in a lot of different ways. Now, I think the first thing that I want to show you is the end of verse 47, where it says, and the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. Now, I think that's important because God is interested in saving people, right? Now, I realize we live in a culture that says, I don't need to be saved, but if you believe that you're wrong. Because if God says you need to be saved, then you need to be saved, whether you agree with it or not. I remember when I first heard the gospel, I didn't grow up in the church, didn't grow up hearing these things. And I'm like, man, I'm fine. (laughs) If you would have asked anyone who knew me at that time, they'd be like, Fusco, you are not fine. And I didn't mean like fine looking either. I meant like, like, I'm okay. You know what I mean? Like, I got this thing. So the reality is, is that when someone is lost, they need to be found. And when somebody is lost, they need to be saved. And here we see a newly spirit-filled church. The Lord was adding daily to the church those who are being saved. So what this means is that the church is designed to be a rescue vessel for people. And unfortunately, in the day and age we live, most churches are not interested in saving people. They're interested in pulling people out of other churches, which is a problem. It's almost like There's a burger stand and like, well, we have a better burger because we use certain ingredients or we don't use certain ingredients or it's like people come out on roller skates or something like that. And the church in 21st century America functions like that. Like we're a better church than the church down the block. So you should come over here when really what God is interested is bringing new people who are lost, seeing them get found and then ushering them into the church. Right. And a spirit filled church is having this happen daily. That it's not just on a weekend, but it's all the time people are getting saved. Now, what kind of a church does this happen to? Now, notice they were newly filled with the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 42, we get these four big ideas. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. So the teaching of the apostles and fellowship. And we'll see how fellowship is explained here in the breaking of bread and in prayers. So there's these four things that the church was committed to. The teachings of the apostles, fellowship, and the breaking of bread and prayers. Now, what's fascinating is if you take verse 42 and you use it as a almost like a covering over the rest of these verses, you'll notice that in verse 43, they talk about the apostles again. Notice what it says. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. So not only were the apostles teaching, but at their teaching, people were responding with a healthy fear of the Lord. And there was also these signs and wonders that the apostles were doing that was authenticating the message. So really, verse 43 amplifies the idea of what the apostles were doing, right? Then in verse, if the next one is the apostles' doctrine and then fellowship, we learn about the word fellowship in verse 44 and 45. 
Notice what verse 44 says. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and they sold their possessions and goods and they divided them among all as anyone had need. Now the word fellowship, when we think of fellowship, we're like, well, we'll go to the church and someone's going to bring donuts and coffee and we're going to have a good time. It's like we have a potluck. But really the word fellowship is the Greek word koinonia, which comes up in verses 44 and 45 that they were all together and they had all things in common. So fellowship is not a potluck. Fellowship is the understanding that all of our lives are connected together as the people of God that runs contrary to our beliefs about our individualism. We are individual members, but we're part of something bigger. And so fellowship is actually explained through the fact that people cared so much about one another that they would sacrificially sell things that they had to provide for each other. Now, I told you, it's kind of challenging. Now, next we see in the breaking of bread. Now, if you go down to verse 46, notice. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. So the idea of breaking bread, some people say, well, is that the communion table? Maybe. But it has the idea of people gathering together and doing what we would call fellowship. Getting together, you have a meal together, you hang out together. They would gather together in the temple and then they would go from house to house. And they were doing life together. They were sharing meals together and living life together. And we notice they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. So there's an outgrowth that comes from this. Gladness and simplicity. And then, of course, the last one is, and in prayers, and verse 47 tells us, they were praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So what's interesting is they were praying, they were also praising God, and God was granting them favor with the people around them. So to me, these verses is a beautiful picture of this is what church is supposed to be. Now, it's in a different culture, in a different time, but these pieces. And so for us as a church family, we have what we would call a system, so to speak, or a God-breathed way of getting at church and ministry that really come out of these verses. And so we call it this, that Dr. Mister is our driver. D-R-M-R. We call it Dr. Mister. You get how that happens. D-R is doctor and M-R is mister. You like that? I want you to get this down. Now, someone's bound to say it's the 21st century. Someone's bound to say, well, why is it masculine? Because I don't have an S to add on the end of mister. So if I had a fifth pillar that we could put ministry that was an S, it would be Dr. Mrs. So it's not gender driven. It's just driven by, we have these four pillars that we're doing ministry on. So if and you're hearing this and this really means something to you, if you come up with an S you want to talk to me about, I'm happy to hear it. You know, so it's not a gender thing. It's just the best we got, we have these four things, D-R-M-R. Each letter stands for a concept that every single ministry of Crossroads, individual ministry, and church as a whole, is meant to be driven by. Now, what I will also say is this. You can take Dr. Mister and you can apply it to your own life. And I guarantee if you live out the reality of Dr. Mister in your own personal life, you will go deeper with Jesus. It will drive you deeper down into your relationship with Jesus. So this is not only, I just want to share this as who we are as a church, but this is what I believe when we live in a Dr. Mr. fashion, that we will grow more than we ever have in our lives. So I'm going to unpack this for you. And this could be super, super fun. You guys ready? You excited? What's this called? Dr. Mr. Okay. So the D stands for devotional. The D stands for devotional. Now, 
I get this. Some of your translations, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, right? My translation, the New King James that I'm using, says they continued steadfastly. So I love the word devotional because it's not enough to be a Bible person. You have to be devoted to the Bible. You have to decide that God's word is God's word and I am going to orient my entire life around this book. Now, I realize that's a big commitment, but you got to think of the commitment that God made to make sure we have the book. If you read the history of the Bible, you will realize that throughout history, people have died trying to get the Bible into the hands of average everyday people in a way they can understand. There was a time when the Bible was kept apart, not in the common language of people, so that religious institutions could make sure you had to go to them to learn. How many of you ever saw the book of Eli? You sinners. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just messing with you. There's a scene in there where, I mean, actually, I don't want to give a spoiler, but really, there's a guy who wants to subjugate people, and really, all he wants is a Bible. He's like, if I get that book, I can do it. If I get the book, I can make sure I keep everybody down. Everybody has to come to me for that information. Because the scarcity of information now leads you to have to seek it out. And so it becomes when they called religion the opiate of the masses. It's the same idea. It's like if you can only get the information from this one institution, now they have you empowered. But the beauty is, is now you all have Bibles. Now the question is, are you devoted to that Bible? Have you decided? And when I think of the word devoted, I always think, of course, because I'm a child of the 80s, I think of Greece. You guys remember Greece? You shouldn't. No, I'm just kidding. The T-Birds and the Pink Ladies. John Travolta before he got totally weird. You know? But there's that great song where Olivia Newton-John is singing, I'm hopelessly devoted to you. Great song. Again, you guys can all Google this later. We'll give you like a trip down 70s and 80s memory lane. But the idea is that we want to be devotional people because we're Bible people. And because the early church continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, we have the apostles' doctrine in the teachings of the scripture. Right? So they heard from Peter and John, and they heard from the apostle Paul. We hear from the scriptures, firsthand accounts of the things that went on. So we want to be people who are devotional people. Now, listen, as a church family, everything we do as a church is Bible-based, right? You come to any ministry, we're going to teach the Bible. You come here at Crossroads, we're always going to open the Bible. We're not just going to read it to you, we're going to explain it to you. This is what it means. This is how it works. When we don't understand something, hey, we don't really know if we understand this, but this is the way you can interpret these things. And I think your life also needs to be devotional. Now, we give like kind of four little ideas to each one of these DRMR, and I'm going to give them to you quick. So first, one of our goals is biblical literacy. We want people to learn the word, right? So the problem is, is it's hard to be devoted to something you don't know. So we're trying to promote biblical literacy. The Bible is a simple book, but it's not simplistic. There's a lot in it. And so our goal is that people would learn the word. Second, we're interested in biblical living. So not only do we want you to know what's in the word, we want you to act on the word. Pastor Ralph just said to me recently, it's better to live the truth than to know the truth. That's powerful. It's better to live it out than to just know it in your head. Right? That's real wisdom. Wisdom is the right application of the right information. So we're trying to promote biblical living. We want you not only to know what's in the book, we want you to live your life based on what's in the book. 
We want you to translate it into action. Now, third, as it relates to being devotional, we want to be spirit-led. We want to follow the spirit. The Bible says as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the children of God. So you can't talk about the Bible without talking about the spirit of God. The spirit of God wants to drive your life. So we want to be spirit-led. And then fourth, we are committed to being evangelistic, where we're going to share the word. Now, there's many of you who are hearing this right now, but you don't believe in Jesus, but somebody who's part of Crossroads has invited you to be here. And the reason that's happened is because the person who you know who invited you, they realize that we are supposed to share the good news. And some people might think that that's off-putting, but we always share the things that we're excited about. Always share the things. You know, it's great. Like just last night, Lynn was like, hey man, we should get some food. We should get some pizza. You know, one of the guys in our fellowship, his family owns Detroit pizza out in Battleground. And we went on out. Now, when you're a Jersey boy and you go to, to get pizza, it's a tough thing. And because I'm from New Jersey, anywhere you go, it says New York pizza. You never go because you're like, it ain't in New York. You know, the water's different. But I'm like, I can go to Detroit pizza. I sure enough, I went, I got a great pie. It was great. I just talked to someone this morning. Like, man, where's a Jersey boy get good pizza? I'm like, I just went to Detroit pizza and Battleground's really good. Right? Now, I didn't have to coax that out of me. I just had a good slice of pizza. And it was good. And because it was good, it's easy to share. And the reason you got invited here to Crossroads is because somebody's experiencing the fact that Jesus is real and he's good. And because he's good, they want to tell you, like, man, you should just come check this out. That's how it happens. If something good happens, you're going to check out. If you ever go to a good restaurant, you tell somebody about it. I mean, you get a new car if you're really enjoying the car. If you get an old car and you're enjoying the new old car you have, you go tell somebody, you hear a new band, you're like, man, that band was great. You see a movie. If you like the movie, you tell everyone now. If you don't like the movie, you don't tell anybody about it. Or you say, oh yeah, don't go see that. So we inherently share about the things that get us excited. And if you got invited here to Crossroads today, it's because the person who invited you, Jesus is good. And he's doing the work, and they can't help but share. But as a church, we can't read the Bible without wanting that message to run forth. So the D is for devotional. Now, our first D in our Dr. Mister of financial health is debt reduction. Debt reduction. Now listen, for all of your lives, if you have debt, you need to figure out how to get out of that debt. That debt's not good for you. It keeps you a slave. And so debt reduction is important. So for you, financially... What's your plan to reduce debt? You got to make a plan. If you have debt, if you don't have a plan to reduce debt, I guarantee that debt will continue to grow. That's how it works. So debt reduction. So going, that's the D, right? So it's devotional or it's debt reduction. The R stands for relational. The R stands for relational. So for me, if you look at Acts chapter 2, the church was always together. They knew what the needs of each other were. They gathered together in the temple and then they went around from house to house and they enjoyed one another. So church is meant to be relational by nature. God designed it that way so that you have people who you are living life with. And in order to do that, you need to engage and say, I want to be relational. That's why we always say we not only want people to come to Crossroads on a weekend where we have these huge gatherings, but we actually want everyone to be involved in a small group, whether you go to men's ministry or women's ministry or you're serving through Love now, or you're serving through kids' ministry, you're in a small group. There's so many ways to do this. So we want to be relational because the church is relational by nature. Now, first, if we give you these ideas about being relational, first, we believe in community, which means commit to regularly gathering and knowing one another. That's what real community is. It's when you're together regularly. 
So what's that plan? Next, we have proximity. So the idea here is that we love the internet and we love using digital stuff, but we realize that true community actually happens in close proximity. So we need to be in close relationship to one another. Face-to-face is better. I mean, obviously you can do FaceTime or Skype or whatever else. But the idea is that you really want to have proximity to one another so that you can really be there. It's better to have a neighbor than a brother far away in some ways. If you need an egg, you can just go to your neighbor. In the same way, we should have proximity to one another. In order to have a real relational reality, it needs to be a place of safety. That's one of the biggest things that, as a really large church that we have to work on, is just making sure this place is the safest for everybody. We periodically have issues with somebody who is mad at us for not being Christianly, but we're just trying to make the place safe. How many of you ever been involved with a group of people and someone in that group is not safe and it makes everything not safe? So in order to have real relationship, there needs to be safety within it. doesn't mean that everything is easy, but you need to make sure that if something is now unsafe, then we have to fix that because you can't have true relationship without safety. So safety becomes really important for us. And then also real relational community is practical. It's practical. See, in the early church, they were filled with the Spirit, and they were all together. And because they were all together, when they knew someone had a need, they just sprung into action. They needed to go and call a committee meeting and do this. They knew people, and people knew people, and they're like, hey, we're just going to put this together. Now, this happens all the time around Crossroads. See, that's why one of our initiatives for this year is also creating a culture and a life of generosity. Why? Because... When you know of a need, you should meet the need if you can. If you can't meet the need, who do you know who can meet the need? See, we have to see ourselves not as just recipients, but people who are responsible for one another. Are you your brother's keeper? You know what the answer to that is? Absolutely you are. We were called to be practically in relationship. So for each one of us, how are we doing relationally speaking? And not just relationally, like I have lots of relationships, but relational how it's looking here in Acts chapter 2. One of the simplest ways to get at that is to, when you see a need, see how can I meet that need? Or who can I connect them to who can help meet that need? How can I be a vehicle to help somebody practically? So your life, devotional and relational. Jesus is real. Financial planning and debt are subjects very few like to discuss. But Pastor Daniel charged headlong into them in today's message. He's shared some great advice on how you can look to the Word for models of planning that will help you not only reduce your current debt, but also avoid it down the road. There will always be surprises in life, but with God's help, you can develop a system to avoid being steamrolled by them. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. Thanks for joining me on Jesus is Real Radio. I realize that not all of you who listen are followers of Jesus, but I actually believe that there are many of you right now as you've been listening, you're saying, I want to put my faith and trust in Jesus. I want his death and resurrection to be applied to my life. And if that's you, I want you to pray this prayer with me, which is just saying thank you to Jesus for saving you. Let's go ahead. Repeat this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life, your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer, I'm so stoked for you. And I want to get some more resources in your hands to help you continue this journey. So pull out your mobile phone. Text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, 
to 51400, 51400, and we'll get some resources into your hands. Now, don't go anywhere. Some folks from my team want to share some amazing things with you. Thanks, Daniel. Again, if you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Daniel, take out your cell phone and text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 51400. We'd love to get some resources into your hands, and the Crossroads team wants to connect with you. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel goes over some of the basic rules of life. These may be things you already know, but the insight he brings to them will level the playing field a bit and remind you just how loved and valued you are by your Savior. Jesus wants you to succeed in this life. That happens best by staying rooted in Him through the Word, prayer, and fellowship with others. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series called Deeper. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.